Well, hey guys, Montel here, and welcome to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. You know, I've sounded like a broken record over the course of the last three years doing this podcast, where I keep saying that I think one of the biggest failures of our industry has been in the area of education. I'm going to say that over and over again, and I will keep saying it until more and more people step up to the plate like my guest, who has been a guest on the show before, who's a return guest in the day. I want to tell you a little bit about him. He's a board-certified doctor of family medicine who was named one of the 100 most influential individuals in cannabis. In addition to practicing at some of, the, of Boston's most foremost hospitals, he served as the chief medical officer for one of the largest medical cannabis healthcare groups in the United States, overseeing the clinical evaluations of, get this, over 250,000 medical patients. His new book, The Doctor-Approved Cannabis Handbook, will be released in October, on October 17, 2023. He's supervised and monitored and mentored hundreds of physicians across the United States and abroad and served as an investigator for multiple, excuse me, multiple pharmaceutical research studies and has been published in premier medical journals. Dr. Benjamin, Benjamin Kaplan, thank you so much and welcome back to Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thank you, Montel. It's great to be back. I'm, I'm uh, really excited for the news we get to share today. And as the industry is moving forward, we get to lead the way, making sure people know what they're doing and do it safely. Well, that's one of the things that you have been doing is leading the way. I will tell you, I've spoken to lots of people in, uh, who are in medicine and actually work in this field, but I don't think I've spoken to any who have done as much as you have in trying to back up all of the anecdote with science. And, you know, I, I, I applaud you for your works and your efforts and especially what you've got coming down the pike here is a brand new book, but let's get to that in a second. You, have, you were on a show about a year ago. A lot's happened. Why don't you tell me what's happened over the last year for you? Sure. Yeah. No, thank you for the, the kind words. Um, I have been diving deep, you know, really trying to figure out where the holes are in education, where the need is for people to understand what they're consuming and how to best consume it. Um, I've learned a lot more what the industry has done right, what the industry has done really wrong. Um, and unfortunately, not a lot of people might know because um, they keep it quiet. The industry has really struggled over the last, this last year. Um, companies which had extremely high valuations have been pumping out cannabis, but not enough people are buying it or it goes to waste before they can sell it. The industry has really struggled. Um, so learning not only about patient care, but about the industry and where the needs are. Um, well, you know, it's interesting that you say that, that it's struggled, but at the same time, the industry in the legal market has sold well over $25 billion worth of cannabis, making it a consumer product that's, that's even more uh, purchased than milk. I mean, you know, you go to a grocery store, everybody, every, everybody, everybody's kids eating some sort of breakfast cereal. And think about that. I want the, the listeners to think about that. We sold more cannabis in 2021 than they sold milk at every grocery store across America. $25 billion in cannabis, $18 billion in milk. $25 billion in cannabis, $23 billion in energy drinks. So, you know, and, and we're just talking about the legal market. If we really want to listen to the pundits and those pontificators out there, they imagine that the illegal and gray market somewhere around two times to three times that. So that means that that's $75 billion worth of a single product being sold. More cannabis sold than cigarettes. More people consuming cannabis than cigarettes. 
That was in 2021. And the numbers seem to get better in 2022. I don't know so much about 2023, but you're saying that the industry has taken a little bit of a downturn. I think it has, when it comes to individual companies and individuals making as much as they may have made the year before, but now there are so many more that there's more making that amount of money. So therefore, I will bet you that 2023 turns out to be a $30 billion year. Yeah. Okay. So hurting, yes. In some ways, I think some of that is a self-inflicted wound. I'm going to say that very directly. And I know I'm going to piss off half the people in the industry when I say this, but you know, too many people are still out there under the guise of trying to buy their first yacht. Let's get to the real story. First off, this industry is still no further along, I think, than the Wright brothers having pushed that wooden plane down a hill. Clearly, when there's that much being sold, you know, in the United States alone, and now you look at worldwide where so many companies, countries have pulled out of the UN Treaty of 1963 to not distribute, you know, hemp, you know, from Isle of Man to Colombia to Peru to South Africa to, you know, it just goes on and on and on. The number of Germany, the number of countries that are now getting in. You know, I said this a couple of weeks ago on my podcast that I don't think it'll be four or five years before this this industry hits the trillion dollar mark in sales. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if cannabis were a normal medicine. It would be the number two medicine in the country behind Humira. Um, and there, this is all the stuff that we can see the people going to quote unquote medical shops, but we know that people who buy from recreational shops are still using for medical reasons. Um, so I'm glad you, I'm so glad you said that because that's something that I love to echo is I don't think that anybody gravitates to cannabis for a non-medical reason. They may not want to admit it, but if you're coming home from work and you want to relax, medical. You're coming home from work and you want to be able to go to sleep early, medical. You're coming home from work because you want to release to relieve some stress, medical. All of those things that we take as just you know lifestyle choices. I don't believe as much as, as a lifestyle choice as they are a medical condition that someone's trying to, you know, alleviate or ameliorate. I agree completely. I think, you know, we, we throw labels to try to understand people or to put things into boxes. But, you know, like you said, we're all sort of figuring it out, trying to do what's best for ourselves in the ways that we know how. Um, and, you know, those conditions you named are, I don't know, chapter 10, 7, 8. Um, and <laughs> and I think to, the, to that point, you know, everybody needs a little help. Um, different people come from a different background in terms of their comfort with cannabis, their knowledge about what's out there. Um, and this is something I observed. As you mentioned, I see a ton of people um, and I hear their stories. I'm paying attention to what they found helpful or not helpful. And I take studious notes. I'm figuring out what the patterns are. Um, and I said, you know what? This is information I can't hold on to. This needs to be shouted from the mountaintops. I want everybody to have this and be able to use it because you know we have been as a people for thousands of years. This is not a new medicine. This is an ancient medicine. It's just been the last hundred years that we've been kind of hoodwinked thinking this wasn't normal. And, and I think that's one of the things that you, I'm glad you said again, you say so many things that I just want to echo for our listeners to make them understand that, you know, we seem to think that this whole cannabis thing is something that's new. Stop the stupid. America was built on hemp. Most people in this country don't understand that. Most of our politicians will try to lie and try to lie their ways around it. We say, oh, America was built on cotton and tobacco. Bullshit. 
America was built on hemp. If you go back to 1690 to 1705, 10, you could pay your taxes with hemp. You know, all of our forefathers grew hemp. All of them consumed hemp. Probably every human being in the United States of America consumed hemp. Why? Folks, understand this. Let's go back 300 years. Lions, tigers, and bears, oh my, in the woods. You weren't eating meat every day. You're lying to yourself if you think that, that history allowed you to eat and consume meat. No, people went hunting every day. They didn't come back with a deer every day. They tried, but they didn't get them, and there was no place to freeze it if they got it. So it normally went bad unless they put it in a pot and made it into soup and just let it boil all day long, all day long, all day long. We consumed hemp. Not only did we consume because even back in the 1600s, late 1600s, botanists knew that this was one of the most protein-laden seeds on the planet. And so even when ships took off from Europe that were sailing around the world, they literally took about a ton of hemp seed with them so they could shuck it, boil it into some sort of a porridge and consume it. Because in those days, they didn't catch a fish. We got to remember, you know, and then also, let's also remember folks that, you know, back then, 1600s, late 1600s, early 1700s, there was no beds. You slept in dirt. You went to the bathroom by going out into the woods and grabbing a leaf and wiping your ass. Excuse my mouth, but that's the truth. You know what I mean? And there was no air conditioning. It was hot during the day, cold at night, didn't have any heat. You needed something to be able to deal with the plight of life. And, you know, most people don't know. It was all the way through what? Till late 1800s that almost every human being who was alive on the planet consumed an alcohol-based beverage that they thought was just water. Huh? What, Montel? Yes. You boiled your water, but then you made sure you put the yeast in it and that kind of stuff to get alcohol, a, a, a certain level of alcohol. Some some say it was around 2.5, could have been 2.6, could have been 3.5. Don't know. But every single day they boiled and made sure they had alcohol in that water to stop what? You couldn't go to the stream and put a cup in and drink water. There was a lion, tiger, a bear pooping in the water 30 feet up ahead, upstream from you. So we had to kill all this bacteria and mankind needed to figure out a way to just survive daily life. And hemp was a part of that life. You got to stop and think most people don't, don't recognize this. You know, our history of slavery in America, we completely leave out the point that most slave owners made sure that their slaves had hemp. What, Monto? Yeah, hemp that they could smoke. Because you weren't going to go out in the sun and pick no damn cotton for 12 hours a day and let somebody beat you on the back unless you had a little euphoria going on to make you want to get up the next morning. Let's be truthful. So America was built on hemp. You go back in the 1800s, the end of the 1800s, you could go to any library in America today Go to the newspaper sections from the last century, flip it to the last page, last couple of pages, the the advertisements, and probably 80% of the tinctures and medicines that were there were either hemp-based or cocaine-based. What? Or opiate-based. What? Come on now. So, I mean, I, I appreciate the fact that you make people understand that this is not something new. This is something that we've been dealing with and doing for a long time. And it's now time to get it out of the shadow. And, you know, I, I we, we know why. We know why, because cannabis basically, in some cases, for some people, can alleviate the need for other types of pharmaceuticals 
-hmm. that are synthetics that we know don't work anyway. Sorry, cut. Well, no. so, I, I had to get on my little, little thing, you know, go ahead. No, no, spot on Montel, as, as usual, you know, for two things, the, um, the seeds, not a lot of people know, but if you look at a hemp seed under the microscope, you will see the exact proportions that the human body requires. The, the exact amount of carbohydrates, of fiber, of fats, omega-3s, omega-6s, it's all a perfect match for what the human body needs. Um, so so what, what do we know? I mean, have we established at least a baseline of how many cannabinoids are in the plant? So we, we know of a handful of cannabinoids. We know that all cannabis has a certain number of flavonoids and other compounds called terpenoids, these three categories of molecules in cannabis. But depending on where that plant is growing, who's taking care of it, what nutrition that plant's getting, what sunlight, what carbon dioxide the plant picks up, um, and what UV light it gets or what insects might be around, the plant has a defense. And some of those defense mechanisms are bringing up shields, chemical shields. And those chemical shields we call polyphenol molecules. These are literally molecules that look like shields. Um, and they do protect against sunlight. And in certain regions, you have different defenses. So you have different cannabis plants. And then you translate that to us eating those plants in different regions, you're going to have different effects from those different plants. Um, and some of those effects actually are sunlight protection. I mean, it's, it's, it can be as basic as that, um, that when UV light hits this polyphenol molecule, it bounces off. Um, so if you think about having that evolve into a lotion that we might use to sunscreen, it makes perfect sense. Yes. Um, that, that, that principle also applies to oxygen radicalization. Um, that's a fancy word. We know it, we know it as, um, free radicals. Um, some people know it as uh, antioxidants. Um, so when you're going shopping and you're looking for antioxidants, what you're looking for are those shields, which might, might protect against radical molecules, things that are coming at it that are dangerous. Cannabis is a volcano overflowing with antioxidant compounds. Um, and these things have function not only for general health, but for protecting cancer, uh, protecting cancer against cancer growing, against cancer moving, um, there are all kinds of ways that antioxidants protect against UV light, not just on our skin. Um, but these polyphenol molecules also have inflammation protection. So we have this system in our body, which is an alarm system, and it activates making sure that we're defended against infections or defended against tissue that might be broken. Um, the soldiers come in and they try to repair what might be busted. Um, cannabis can help calm down that system. Um, it can fight against inflammation in a way that's so much stronger than over-the-counter medicines that the mainstream medical industry has a has a windfall coming when they realize that cannabis is not only a safer choice, but it can be sometimes more powerful than the options we have out there already. So, I mean, I think right now, one of the things that's so important is that does your book cover some of the information, like, like a baseline information first, then you go in depth or tell me about the book. Sure, sure. So this I looked at what was written already, and there's a there's a thousand books that are written for scientists and doctors and speak jargon that nobody really can relate to or understand. And then there's a bunch of books that have fancy pictures and have products, and it doesn't really tell you much of anything other than, oh, this is going to get you high, which is sort of stupid. So there's nothing out there which brings someone who doesn't know anything to where, where stores came to be, how people grow it themselves, 
Um, I don't spend too much time on the plant and the business, and it's really a deep dive into the medical aspects. There's 16 chapters that cover mental health, sexual health, end of life care, cancer care, gastrointestinal system, really all the major systems that people find benefit in cannabis. Of course, multiple sclerosis is on that list too, Montel. Um, yes. But it covers, each chapter covers the science that we're aware of, it covers anecdote, the sort of what people have found through personal experience. I, I, I interviewed about 20 patients and had them tell their raw stories, some of which are word for word exactly what people have shared with me. Um, and every single claim that I stake in the book, every time I say cannabis does this or does that, there is not one that is not born with a reference. There's over 120 references in this book to published peer-reviewed literature. So it's not just some author waxing and waning about his experience or patient's experience. This is what science has told us in a nice, pretty package for everybody to consume. And again, the book is called The Doctor Approved Cannabis Handbook. It will be out in October. Um, uh, are you starting pre-orders already? Yeah, yeah. We have a ton of pre-orders already. Um, and I'm actually doing, I'm trying to, to encourage people to, to pre-order. And we have a sweepstakes with a couple free lectures if people want to learn more personally from me about whatever conditions they might have and where cannabis might fit. Um, people who pre-order and email us um, at doctorapprovedcannabishandbook at gmail.com um, will have a free entry into that webinar. You know, I find it, and and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying this uh, as any kind of an aspersion. I'm just telling you the truth. I mean, you know, since Dr. Gupta, um, you know, did his special, you know, we haven't have, it's, it's almost as if the whole country wanted to embrace it, but they came to a screeching halt. I'm going to embrace it, but I'm only going to embrace CBD. And I think that THC stuff should be outlawed. And it, it, I, I, I hear I'm still having conversations with people who say the stupid like that, where they don't even know that the plant is much bigger than just CBD and THC. And, you know, I and Sanjay have spoken about this multiple times. I, 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 I've said this here clearly, and I, I will, you know, whether people like it or not, I'm going to take credit for the fact that Sanjay even did this special to begin with, because he and I were live on Pierce Morgan when I called him out before he did his first special because he was sitting there on the screen talking about, well, you know, there's no proof. And I said, will you stop? You're a doctor. If you're a doctor, then you would at least understand and credit the fact that your own government back in 2002 gave itself a patent on cannabis. Why? Because if you read the abstract, it outlines exactly what our own government after 20 years of research pound was the viability of cannabis. And he went, huh? I said, yeah, look it up. You know, it's 6630507A, patent number. So anybody out there, you look it up too. Our government knew the benefits of cannabis now almost 20 years ago. And really, honestly, 40 years ago when it was funding Dr. Mishulam in Israel. Ah, Montel, what are you talking about? Yes, we were actually spending money in Israel trying to determine why cannabis even work. That's the reason why he started his research developing out A, he figured out that there's something called THC, B, he figured out there's something called CBD. Then he figured out that there are these other things that are called cannabinoids. Then he went to look for the receptors and figured out that we have our own endocannabinoid system. Whoa. You know, this was 40 years ago, folks, not yesterday, 40 years ago. And so, you know, the truth is, the knowledge and information has been there, but again, you know, the cannabis industry has done itself again a disservice 
not recognizing that it's about time that we all figure out a way to come together rather than be shooting at each other or, you know, taking pot shots at each other, come together as an industry the same way that pharma has and start lobbying Washington, D.C. so they understand that this is a viable medical product. Yeah, 100 percent. I think you're, you're, you're spot on. I think people also don't quite understand why cannabis has struggled. If if over 90% of the American population thinks this should be accessible to anybody who wants it for medicine, why is it not mainstream? Why are why is my doctor not talking about it um, in, in, the, in clinic? Um, and you have to remember for every one person that's knowledgeable and propo proposing sensible regulation around cannabis, there are a hundred people in the existing industries that are fighting against it. Um, you know, in the last few years, as you mentioned earlier, um, Four states um, have acquired more tax revenue from cannabis sales than alcohol sales. Um, it's very clear that the American population, indeed the world population, wants cannabis to be part of their normal lives. Um, and the people that stand to lose a lot, these corporations are fighting against it or lobbying hard against it. So we as a community, like you said, have to band together, learn about what's working for us, understand that it's safe, that what we were all taught as we grew up was not accurate. Um, and I'm trying to do my part to, to give people the ammunition to learn. And you are doing your part, Doctor, really. Again, your book title, one more time. The Doctor Approved Cannabis Handbook. And if people just want to get information about it right now, can they go up on a website and find it? They can go to kaplancannabis.com. They can go to doctorapprovedcannabishandbook.com. Um, if you just Google me, you'll find it. I'm all over social media. Um, and very shortly, actually, speaking of information, I want to let people know that the literature, the cannabis scientific literature is there. Everybody who says, oh, there's not enough literature, that's baloney, you're being you're being deceived. Um, I've been pooling that literature for a long time. I, mean, I, mean, I only laugh because I've been saying that. It's like, ah, and I say it a little differently, but mm -hmm. every time I hear a politician saying, well, when the research is done, I feel like reaching in the screen and smacking them upside the face and saying, why don't you read the research? There's over 35,000 peer-reviewed published documents out there right now. Yeah. 3,500 of them written last year alone. So it's time for us to start embracing the knowledge that we already have. Indeed. I, mean, I, I want to support what you're saying, and I want to bring everybody into it. And the way I'm doing that um, is with AI. Um, I'm building a librarian, which will function basically like people use ChatGPT. You can sit down at your computer. You can go onto this site and be able to chat, to ask the literature, hey, is this okay for my sinuses? Is this okay for my child to consume? What is this gonna do? What's the literature about how the harms or benefits weigh with cannabis? And you'll get a plain English language answer um, from the literature with sources. You don't have to understand how to read scientific papers to be able to learn. That's unbelievable. But now doc, again, see part of what where I'm frustrated is the fact that you are a repository. But, and I'm not, I, please, this is not any aspersion, but not a lot of people know you. I mean, I, I go to California, I go to, to, I'm getting ready, my products are right now in Massachusetts. So I spend quite a lot of time in Massachusetts dispensaries, actually one on one with a lot of patients because, you know, I have products that are in there and I formulated these products specifically for specific reasons. I'm probably what was one of the first people that, seven, eight years ago to formulate a product that was a mixture of THC and CBD together in the same vape cart, along with particular terpenes to help elicit particular responses. And now I've kind of refined those a little bit. Now I'm trying to literally put out a, a custom 
you know, uh, pre-ground uh, flour. Uh, and hopefully as that continues to gain traction, then I'm going to start doing what we'll call for commercial purposes a solid, but I'm going to start actually formulating some of the different, you know, phenotypes together, putting them together in the same pre-ground package so that that will elicit the response along with some hemp flour on top of that. Because I think that the CBD that you get from hemp is pretty, uh, is, is really good along with what we get from the, sativa plant. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to, in my way, trying to crack the nut. But as I talk to people, I, I bring your name up every now and then. And so I'm not aware of them. Well, I'm glad you got a book now because I'm going to start sending them to go buy your book. But I, I think what's got to happen, my friend, is that we need to put you on tour. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, uh, so the book Random House is distributing the book. Ben Bella is publishing the book and they are putting me on tour to, um, to a bunch of the states between Massachusetts and, and, and California. Um, I'm going to be stopping at dispensaries to educate them. I'm stopping at bookstores and libraries to educate whoever wants to come. Um, and the medical establishment needs to learn too. I mean, there's too many doctors out there who hide behind, oh, I'm too busy. I don't want to learn anything new. But we signed, we, we, we promised the general public with an oath that we were going to continue learning and challenging ourselves to stay with the cutting edge of medicine. Um, and we've as a, we as a profession have have shirked that responsibility. Um, and I think too many people have suffered at the hands of doctors who aren't doing their work, um, meaning learning more and understanding what their patients want. Are you starting to see some of this breakthrough though? Or are there other professionals, medical professionals that are starting to embrace, you know, your book or at least embrace the opportunity to sit down and talk to you? Yeah. Yeah. No, I have, I have a lot of, um, a lot of success with, um, off the beaten path doctors. A lot of older doctors have kind of set in their ways, you know, doing the same path over and over. They're a little bit shy to learn something new. Um, and I think that's okay, actually. I don't want doctors who have been working on a certain field for 40 years to suddenly think they're an expert in something they haven't learned. Um, but I think a lot of the young doctors who haven't quite gotten their feet dirty um, should be learning, should be seeing what's out there. Um, so I'm reaching out to medical schools to try to teach the young doctors. Um, and, and, you know, hopefully that will be a road to success. Um, but, you know, we, we have learned in medicine that it takes sometimes more than 17 years for a new study to come out and doctors to start teaching it, young students to start learning it and for it to be implemented into practice. It's a, it's a long haul. I mean, right now we see we see how long it's taken just for, you know, the medical community to embrace the endocannabinoid system. We right. recognize that we have endocannabinoids. I mean, I think but it's starting to happen. I mean, George Washington University, several other universities like Harvard has something going on. MIT has something going on. So we're starting to see, you know, the industry embrace the opportunity of CMEs and trying to learn. I mean, I think that that's given me some hope in the fact that there are more doctors that are seeking those out now than were meant say a year ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of the trouble is also not just knowing some cannabis literature, but it's seeing patients. It's giving people who are interested in exploring cannabis a, a chance to, to try it and to learn and sometimes to succeed or sometimes fail. And then the doctor helps them and learns in that process. That's what we call clinical medicine. That's why doctors are better than robots, despite what the, the empathy scores might tell us. Um, but that's another piece of this, Montel, is AI is changing the world and it's changing medicine. Doctors are starting to use it as a reference. And AI is not stupid. AI knows that cannabis is an important part of medicine. Um, so we might have a, a sneak uh, a sneak around past that AI is going to lift doctors up in terms of cannabis knowledge better than we could anyway. 
Wow. Now, what are some of the most important studies proving the efficacy of cannabis that you've seen um, as a medicine? You know, what, what, are, there, are there particular studies that you could point to? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough question. There's not one which sort of is a holy grail. There's there's so many. Um, you quoted thirty thousand. Um, there's there's actually closer to half a million. Um, wow. If 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 you take the molecules inside cannabis seriously, there are studies about limonene. There's studies about um, flavonoids that have been going on for hundreds of years. Um, yeah, if, the whole idea of terpenes. People seem to think all of a sudden that terpenes was some thing that we just discovered, you know, two or three years ago. Terpenes have been investigated and studied because of their, they are part of any plant, right? I mean, almost every plant on the planet has terpenes in them, from tomatoes right. to apples to oranges to you name it. Right. If you ask Jane Doe, you know, what, how do you feel when you walk into the forest? Oh, you feel like you can breathe a little bit more broadly. The air feels nice and fresh. That's pining that the pine needles in the forest are releasing. That's a, that's a, that's a terpene. And cannabis produces that too. So when we talk, you know, you and I talk about, oh, cannabis can help people with asthma. Part of that is opening up their airways, bronchodilating. And it's not just the cannabinoids that do that. It's a terpene like pinene, which helps open up the airways. Absolutely. And people need to understand that, you know, that that has, those things have been researched. The pinene in pine trees has been researched for what, 50, 60 years now? Exactly. Exactly. So when we put all that natural medicine together, we start to see, wait a minute, there's a lot there that we just haven't been paying attention to because the pharmaceutical companies aren't making money from a pine tree study. Um, they are making money from their pharmaceuticals. So we have an industry that is you know, beating down the doors to make sure we're spending our money at the pharmacy, but we have a natural planet, unfortunately, that we are not respecting and treating as if it doesn't matter because it's not man-made. It's not you know, super powerful because a, a machine made it. Um, but I think, right. and, and, yeah, and I mean, with that thought, it's the, the idea that, again, something as inexpensive as what this weed will prove to be as we continue to move forward, because, again, human consumption, consumption of cannabis or hemp is just one aspect of it. But we also know that, you know, there are probably 2,500 different uses of the hemp plant. I mean, they've proven now there's two, I guess, two, maybe even three um, publicly traded companies right now that have figured out how to burn the fibers of the hemp plant down to a graphene. And that graphene that they burned it down to has a greater elect electrical storage capability than graphite. Um, we, we know that hempcrete, like concrete type substance, has at least a hundred to two hundred year life expectancy. So we use it for building clothing, just the same way we did. If we go back to the sixteen hundreds and seventeen hundreds, the same way we did back then. You know, everything from every sail, every rope, every piece of clothing. The entire Revolutionary Army folks was clothed in hemp fiber material. The only thing that the North and South had in common was the fact that they were wearing uniforms that were made out of hemp. What? Yes, because we recognize that. Hemp was would deteriorate less when wet than some of the other product or fibers that we were using. So it's this is some of this is not new. We just have to get out of our own way. Yeah, yeah. And, and what you suggest actually about the the methods of consuming cannabis is an important thing for people to to learn. Um, that when you and I are talking about cannabis, it's not always about burning it. Right. Um, and you know, and, and actually, I, I will take issue with people burning cannabis. 
Um, if I were your nutritionist and I told you to go burn the bowl of spinach you had or to go smoke your bananas, you'd think I was bananas. Um, cannabis as a vegetable has a tremendous number of nutrients that can be consumed without destroying it. Correct. Yeah. Especially if you were to just juice the leaves. We know that the leaves of the, of the cannabis plant are so highly laden with CBDA. And if we figured out how to stabilize that, we know that CBDA is, what, 200 times more bi bioavailable than the CBD that we get when we smoke it. Or right. it's much a, more powerful. Much exactly. more powerful. Um, yep. Yeah. No, and, and, and as people learn about the plant and learn how to consume it and how, how they can find benefit from it, they're probably not going to want to heat it up to 10 times that temperature where it would come into the plant and just incinerate it. And that's really what smoking is. So part of the process of consuming cannabis is not just, oh, find the right medicine, find the right pill, find the right plant. It's how do you consume it? What does your body need? And how do these things change? You know, the person I am today is not the same person I was six months ago. And mm -hmm. as you change, your needs change. You might need more sleep. You might need less sleep. You know, these things can be adapted. You know, when you, when you think about it as a first line or last line of treatment, you know, do you think that people, I, I think there are some people who think, well, I've been through everything I've been through, so maybe I'll try it. You don't have to go through 700 different steps before you try cannabis. It could be the first line of defense in some ailments, right? So, right. yes. So it, it's it's funny that you say that. The, the, the time frame that I've seen cannabis move from was a time about 10 years ago where doctors would say, you know, don't pursue cannabis. You don't really need to do that. But people had no other choices. They tried everything out there. They were just hungry for something that might work or even give them a modicum of relief. That has jumped by leaps and bounds to, to this time. I'm starting to see people as a first referral. Um, and it's not just crazy illnesses. It's not just people at the end of their life. Um, I've seen patients with breathing issues and the doctor's not interested in prescribing them long-term, long-acting medicines, and he's wondering, well, whether cannabis can sustain them. I mean, the idea that someone could breathe in cannabis as a medicine instead of pharmaceuticals is just mind-blowing to some people. Um, and in many respects, it's not only safer than the traditional medicines out there, but it has protective value too. Um, one of the nice things about cannabis that it's a plant, we can look at the plant literature and say, hey, what's good about plants? And then is that also in cannabis? And we were talking about polyphenol medicines before. Polyphenol medicines help prevent cancer. When people are consuming lots and lots of vegetables, we see in the nutri nutrition literature, they get less cancer. So guess what? When people are consuming lots of cannabis, you can read what happens. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of the, we're almost out of time, but some of the common conditions that you think cannabis can be effective or at least help in treating and why? Yeah, the, the most common Three, the big three are anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, and pain. Um, and why? I think, you know, as you alluded back, as old as, as history itself, people have always struggled. Um, I think in many respects, the human conditioning is, the human condition is very much suffering. Um, so for some people, they manifest that suffering through stress. For some people, they're up at night thinking about it, trying to solve their problems, but not sleeping. And for some people, you know, they're just in pain. As we get, as we all get older, the body doesn't work like it used to. And we suffer the consequences. Um, so this book covers mental health issues. Of course, it covers sleep dis issues, but neurodegenerative stuff. You know, for some people, pain is about their nerves. It's not so much about physical injuries. For some people, it's skin issues or, or, or gastrointestinal function that, that's not working as well. 
I mean, cannabis does have benefit for all of these different conditions if you know what you're doing. Right. Well, now, what's your opinion on on whether or not we should deschedule or reschedule? What, what do you think? That's a good question. Um, I think because some some states have legalized cannabis so that any adult can get it, rescheduling, meaning turning it into a prescription, um, doesn't quite add up. You're going to get people saying, well, why do I need a prescription if I can just get it you know, over the counter? Um, you know, I think legalization, complete legalization is also going to undercut a lot of businesses and you have lawsuits there. Um, there's a, a New York Times op-ed from, I think, someone who actually wasn't a clinician, and they proposed rescheduling to a different schedule, like to create its own unique category and just realign the the, the federal law so that it made sense. Um, you know, I don't have I don't have an answer for what the right schedule would be, um, but I think people do need guidance. I don't think people should be required to have it, but I think it should be available for the people that want to take their health seriously. Um, they want to have expertise, just like any other field of medicine. Um, and cannabis medicine is a specialty. This is what I've dedicated my life to. Um, if people want to find me or a specialist like me, they should have that option, but they shouldn't be required to. Um, I, I kind of, I'm kind of torn because I feel like, okay, when it comes to THC itself, um, Delta 9, I think that there may be room to schedule that some way, shape, or form. Not schedule one, but possibly schedule two. I, I don't know. Um, you're right. Maybe make its own unique schedule. But at the same time, I think that the plan has proven to have so many other important properties that should just be considered a nutraceutical. I think at the end of the day, when you look at the cannabis plant, it really is a superfood and should be considered a superfood that does have you know, euphoric effect, that part we have to deal with, but I don't see why the government needs to be controlling THCV. I don't see why the government needs to be controlling CBD, CBDA. I don't see why CBN, CBC, you know, there are several other components that I think you need to get out of, say, get the way, get the heck out of the way. Because just like, you know, let's say uh, vitamin D, D3, and other vitamins, um, I think there are efficacious reasons for using them. And, you know, I should be able to walk into a health food store and buy, you know, CBD right across the, right over the counter, CBDA. Like right now, I, I order some from Southern California and it comes with me, CBDA. And I should be able to get every one of the non-psychoactive uh, cannabinoids that way uh, without any government interference. So I think um, we got to put together a committee or something to be able to kind of, you know, look through it that way. I don't know what you think. I agree. I think I think you're still thinking about it, Montel, through a pharmaceutical lens, though. Um, you know, as, as this chemical and this chemical, just like this sort of uh, SSRI or that benzodiazepine, um, cannabis works better um, as a family, as a community of molecules. Um, and I don't, I don't think that the general public, even as much as, as we could want to teach them, is going to have interest, let alone the, the capacity to sort of juggle all of these different compounds and this one does that and this one does that. Um, I think people should have access to cannabis as a plant. And you know this match between the plant and, and our bodies is a pretty natural one. Um, and, yeah. and I think nature got it right. Right, right, right. Again, one more time, throw out the book and the website that people can go to. Sure. So the book is The Doctor Approved Cannabis Handbook, Reverse Disease, Treat Pain, and Enhance Your Wellness with Medical Marijuana and CBD. Um, the website is my name, kaplancannabis.com. 
Okay, for sure. Well, sir, thank you so much for coming back. And, you know, keep me, keep me posted, especially if you're bouncing around the country in places. You know, I am right now in Mass. And again, I'm getting ready to launch in Georgia. Um, and I have several of the states that, that have asked uh, if we could come in and help, you know, uh, put some products in the marketplace. So I'm going to do that. And so maybe if we happen to be in the same state at the same time, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd love to share the stage with you. Sounds great. Yeah, I would love to support you anywhere I can. Absolutely. Same right back at you. And we'll keep talking about the book, okay? Sounds great. Thanks a lot, Montel. Have a great yeah, time. Sure. Thank you so much for being a part of the show today. And I want to thank you for tuning in to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.